Smuts Up is a part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. The Smuts Up Podcast is a bad show made by idiots. You probably shouldn't listen to it. The Smuts Up Podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease except boredom, and even that's up for debate. Proceed with caution and listen at your own risk. I have a question. What? I put a D20 in my mouth. I put a D20 in my mouth. Your desires. I put a D20 in my mouth. Smuts up, everyone. You're listening to the Smuts Up Podcast. When you're here, you're Steph Family. This is a podcast where we try to create a safe space to talk about sex and kink and all that other funny stuff. It's sex live for everyone, starting with ourselves. My name is Captain Spinks, and with me are my two very good friends. Hello, fellow butthole havers. I'm Deep Weird. Yes, greetings to all of our fellow butthole havers. I'm Luxa. Smoke's up, guys. How are you? Butthole havers is a very like neutral term, I believe. It's <laughs> a very like, neutral term. I, I love everyone it. should have one. And I've never don't. once had a butthole, and you can't prove it. I don't okay. really want to prove it. Of, hey, look, I don't know yeah. your life, and that's okay. There's a place here for at this table for everybody. I Thank was you just... so much, Luxa. Have some breadsticks <laughs> and salad. I can have I as don't... many breadsticks and salads as I want. I don't got a butthole. Apparently, there is a limit on how much of the I... unlimited. It's it's all an advertising lie, but this has been... But this has been there's a lot of problems with everything that I think we're saying right now. The the unlimited breadsticks, the eating them without a butthole, all of it. There's a lot of problematic stuff here, but we can press on past that because I'm super, <laughs> super excited. <laughs> um, because today we're here for our first installment of an interview series that we're calling Deep Penetration. In which we will hear from people about their ideas and experiences and adventures. We're going to be hearing from kinksters and thinkers um, of all different stripes. Uh, And we know that there are probably as many opinions about this type of stuff as there are people, and maybe more. So we're hoping to hear from a lot of folks of all different like persuasions, genders, identities, and what have you. Um, so if you have a story that you would like to share with us or are interested in being a guest, you can hit us up at smutsup69 at gmail.com, or you can get deep on Instagram at smutsuppod. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, that is cool. right. Fuck yeah. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed this interview, uh, and thank you very much to our first guest, Malcolm. We really appreciate him talking with us and having the time just to come and hang out on the show and share his insights. Uh, we learned a lot and it gave us a lot to think about. Me personally, it kind of feels like an an upgrade or like a level up in your podcasting career to actually have interviews. So I feel really excited about this one. It was really fun just being, just, it was really exciting uh, talking with someone who was excited to talk to us. Yeah, like, that really happens. Yeah, yeah, that really happened. That never <laughs> happens in real life. Usually whenever I start talking to people, like it doesn't seem like they're terribly excited. And maybe it's because of what I'm saying or what I'm doing or what I'm wearing. 
or where I am. Maybe they're just not that interested. <laughs> yeah, I left already I after you just explained that. Exactly. <laughs> I was ready to walk away. <laughs> the I'm last kidding, time I, I saw you in person, uh, you left. So what's up with that? Uh, was, <laughs> because you were going to sleep. <laughs> Excuses. Like buttholes, most people have them. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, yeah, thank you so much to Malcolm. And we're going to be back after the interview to share a few like reflections on what we discussed. But first, we would like to take a minute to thank you all so much for listening to the Smuts Up podcast. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And all this, like, just to everyone listening, thank you for still listening. If you made it this far, I'm amazed. You, I should send you a medal. I might think about that. But... um. <laughs> <laughs> There is, there is one metal, thing I'd you know? like to say while we're thanking our guests, and that's thank you. Just thank you so much. <laughs> Without you, like, what's the point of even continuing? So it's it, like just from, what, from everyone who's already commented on our stuff, we really appreciate it. We really appreciate everybody listening. And um, yeah, if anybody else doesn't have anything else to say like we can get into that interview nope let's roll on with the interview all right fuck yeah i put a d20 in my mouth so our guest today has practiced just shy of 40 years in the kink field operating as a gimp for a sex magic cult without truly understanding what that meant later training as a house dominant out of a private club in palm strings he studied BDSM and DS procedures. He has practiced up and down the West Coast and Germany, participating in various meetups and requested public displays of practices. In the last 20 years, his work has been mostly virtual using text, voice, and virtual environments. Primary practices involve DS power work, light BDSM, light BDSM orgasm control, sexual hypnotism, and state management. Malcolm, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the Smuts Up podcast. When you're here, you're a step family. So welcome to the step family. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Actually, I'm very happy to be here. Very happy to be here. I've, I've listened to y'all. I've listened to every show at least twice. And uh, it's been my pleasure to, to, uh, to uh, suffer through it. Well, thank you. <laughs> Apparently, I'm more masochist than I thought. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> Well, happy that our show is helping people learn about themselves. Massive just approves. What's up? <laughs> Isn't that the goal of the show anyway? Yeah. It's true. <laughs> We're learning it's about so ourselves and each and each other. Uh, I have learned today that someone's willing to listen to our episodes at least twice. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed by your fortitude. Stamina is a key in, 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 in the kink field. It's a key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That also sounds very exhausting. But I do want to hit you with a question here, Malcolm, if I can. Mm -hmm. um, it would what would you tell people who are new to kink and who are curious about getting involved with it? What would I tell people who are new? Okay, so here's the thing. People who are new, they have a lot of interesting ideas about what happens and that i uh, i think that comes from you know movies where things are always all sensuous and people are beautiful and everything like that but uh in in the field it's it, it's actually uh very similar to real life it just stuff happens 
and uh, it can be messy and it can be funny and it can be all kinds of things in between. But when you start looking at it at the kink world, there's interesting things that happen in the psychology involved in that that can be very very life altering, very life altering. And that's a that's a something that people don't expect. They think, oh, I'm just going to have a fun time and I'm going to flirt and have a good time and life is good. And then all of a sudden, they uh, there's something goes wonky in the situation and all of a sudden they're afraid and they're not ready for it. And then so the biggest thing is slow down, uh, do your research and find a competent group of people to talk to. And if at any time, at any time you're uncomfortable, back up, back up. Because you don't know what you're ready to do yet. Does that make sense to everybody? Actually, yes, it yeah. does. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Uh, from the small amounts of research that I've kind of went into, like BDSM, when I had a partner who was also into it, it did seem to be like a lot more of like, it's not something you just kind of jump into. It's definitely do your research, slow down, and like, you know, learn from other people. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I do recommend a mentor of some sort, especially for those on the dominant end of it, because uh, there are things that you have to learn about control of yourself. So we'll probably talk about this later, but when you get into top space, it's very easy to just feel all powerful and uh, incapable of making a mistake. So you really have to watch yourself. Sort of like your ego can kind of get not out of control, but just that it can it can affect it in some way. I've seen people get out of control too. So I think you're right on that. I think you can go too far if you're not paying attention, if you don't care. And that's mm. another problem. You get into the, you get into the true sadism versus the dominance aspect and you can learn to enjoy that too much. And you stop caring about the, uh, the submissive or the, uh, um, the, or your, or your operational object. You, you, you start referring to them only as an object and not as a human being. Mm-hmm. And that can be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I can definitely see that. What impact has BDSM practice had on your life specifically? Like, tell tell us about it. Tell us about it. Well, the BDSM aspect of it is uh, is n- it's not a major portion of my practice, to be clear. Okay, uh, because I'm not actually a masochist. If anything, I fall into the daddy dom kind of category. Mm-hmm. That's not to say I can't enjoy it, but it's it's got to be different things. I have met a woman once that I just enjoyed causing her pain. And it's not because I didn't like her. It's just a, her responses really brought out this out of me. And it's, it's all based on your your brain chemistry and, and things like that. Um, I'm really big into into uh, the concept of EDSO, you know, endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. These are how we feel good. These are our feel-good chemistries. And uh, I feel that part of the issue is with that particular case uh actual sadism something in our interaction really just tweaked that the 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 dopamine and the and the uh oxytocin because it was uh responding to what she was offering and my ability to explore it and feel confident in the compliment that it gave me does that make sense yes it does actually that does you it's the feedback you received from that person yeah, it makes sense. It's an interaction that's taking place, not just a one-way street, right? Right. Maybe we should explain how those chemicals, the basics of how those chemicals work. Maybe that would help people understand. Sure. Down for it. Yeah. Let's get into it. Chemistry okay. lesson. Well, endorphins are your body's painkillers. 
They're designed. They're designed to help you control pain on uh, on the short to medium term, and uh, you release them when you laugh, and they make you feel good. Right? They make you feel good. They they just make the pain fade and feels good to do it. And so then we hear about runners getting at runners high. Well, that's that part of that is those endorphins, uh, hammering their nerves. It's, it just feels good. And so that's endorphins. And so when you smack somebody, you can release those endorphins. You can also simulate it. That's really an interesting thing. The brain doesn't know reality from fantasy. So if you can if you can think about the fact of being smacked with a spoon, you know, then if you can think it, if you can Im- image it, then your brain will release that same chemistry. It will cause your body to respond the same. So virtual works just as well, if not better in some ways, than physical. I got that right now, actually. Like, I did picture getting hit and it was kind of like, ooh, I didn't like the idea. I didn't like the idea. <laughs> you didn't like the idea? Okay. No, I did like the idea. You did like, like the ooh, idea. Yeah. Well, we'll have to arrange to have spoons around the table next time. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, so that's, that's endorphins. And so there's more to it than that. That's the simplified version. And then we go to dopamine and dopamine is a really weird chemical in the body uh, it's the most addictive substance we encounter as human beings and everything that makes you a, that, that addicts you either releases or simulates dopamine every form of addiction does that on a physical level uh, psychological addiction is a little different but it, that also causes a release of the dopamine and dopamine is is released whenever you learn a thing or find a thing or do a thing for the first time. So th- that's that's what happens when you do it. And, and I honestly believe um, on a developmental level, I think that's one of the things that keeps us hunting for food even when we find enough to eat. Does that make sense in early man? Yeah. I, th- mm-hmm. I think that's what the drive is, and it keeps doing it. And you can get you can get that simply simply by working with another person and finding finding those new niches, those new those new touches, those new tools, things like that, you can get that as well. And what's really neat is you can explore it, that that event again, and you can still get that dopamine hit. You can remember when you did it the first time, you can still get that dopamine hit off of it because the brain doesn't know that it's not real. And so that's another cool chemical that comes about when you work with somebody else. You're always learn you're always going to learn something new when you work with somebody else because we're all we're, we're different people. And at each encounter is fresh in its own way. And then, um, so that's uh, dopamine. And then serotonin is, is an amazing chemical. It's a social chemical. And you gain serotonin when people recognize you. They recognize you for doing something, and usually in a positive way. Or when somebody praises you or something of that nature, you can get that. And so, you know, you can see where that happens a lot when somebody says, thank you, that's enough. That's enough by itself. Now, there's other triggers that'll fire that off too, but um, the, the weirdest thing about it is when I recognize that you enjoyed the idea of being smacked with that spoon and I say, hey, that's really a cool thing, right there, you're being recognized for being open to doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting a rush for recognizing and everybody around the room, everybody around the table, and probably everybody listening to some extent is going to get a rush from that of serotonin. Isn't that an amazing thing? Yeah, actually. If you just You're welcome, from, everyone. Who I can't <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. very interesting. <laughs> if, if you just relax for a moment and I say how happy I am to be here with, with you, 
with you three um, and how pleased I've been to listen to your, your, your podcast. Now, I mean that in earnest. I've gotten, gained a lot of joy out of it. There's some things that have stressed me when I've listened to it or distressed me, and I enjoyed that too because I enjoy that, that pull in my, in my heart and in my mind to, 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 to do those things. So when I've done these things, I've enjoyed it. Now, if you relax and just think about what I did, you'll probably feel it in the middle of your back and around your the back of your for, your uh, upper arms, you'll feel a sensation, and that's where most of our sensors usually pick up the serotonin drop. Mm. So just relax and think about how grateful I am that you you all three, actually all four, because we're missing one, um, have uh, how grateful I am that you've put this project together and and followed it through an entire year. I, I'm seriously grateful. Well, yeah, we're grateful wow. that you're here talking to us. I'm kind of curious, actually, like this um, sensation that you're talking about, when people talk about um, extreme like fear sensations and stuff, they talk about, you know, tingling up your spine. Do you mm-hmm. think it has something to do with serotonin? Um, fear is a different chemistry, but serotonin is, is, uh, does get keyed off uh, in response to it. I don't work in fear, so I don't I don't worry so much about the chemistry and that chemistry unless it becomes important. But fear, you can feel that sensation going up your spine, and if you're really aware, you can feel it climbing up from your ankles, all the way at the mm. back of your ca- your calves, your knees especially, uh, and and usually then it skips up to your spine. But uh, fear um, is prepping all that body, all of your body, to get ready to do something. So fear is a very important thing, and it is a tool a lot of people use, but it's not one of my favorites. Uh, so that's it does it does also when you face that fear, it brings on the the dopamine and the serotonin, especially if you're in a group and somebody's supporting you through that fear. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's not my favorite tool. So now a lot of people call oxytocin the love chemical, and really yeah, that's that's close. It's an affection chemical. It's designed to keep us friendly, uh, I believe, I believe, in a tribal setting. It's designed to, to, to make us want to be together, to want to work together, to want to spend time together. And truthfully, most people like a hug from people they know. They don't necessarily like, you know, we, we all have that don't touch the naked crazy man circuit in our brain. Well, most of us do. <laughs> <laughs> but most of us like that affection, and that affection really touches really touches uh, deep into us. And again, that's a social chemical. So if I, if I give uh, Captain Spanks a hug right now, <laughs> that depending on how comfortable Captain Spanks is with that concept and how- Oh, I'm a hugger. You're a hugger? I'm a hugger. <laughs> we were too. just I'm talking a, about this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big toucher. He's a very soft boy. So, very soft. so I'll, give you, I'll give you a big hug. I'll just give you a big hug and I want you to think about it. I'm a big guy. I'm kind of, I'm kind of burly uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm soft. Okay, I'm round now. So, but I'm kind of big and I'm just going to hug you. I just want you to think about that. And I want you to think about how it feels in your body when somebody does that. Just an honest, affectionate hug, right? Now, everybody around the table is also witnessing the fact that I want you to feel that. They're witnessing that I want you to feel that affection, that honest gratitude for your being here. And everybody that's observing this gets a blast of oxytocin as well. And that's the key of what I work with when when I work the... BDSM NDS, so that we dominance and sub- submission, which is more my bailiwick. But yeah, does, does that help? The chemi- does that help explain the chemistry? Might have ran a little long, and I apologize on. Oh that. no, that's fine. That oh no, it's like, interesting it stuff. In, it was yeah. incredibly enlightening. Yeah, Hell yeah. Like, I'm learning a lot, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> that, fuck yeah. That's just and a I- simple version of it, though. There's a lot more involved, <laughs> but. 
if I recall correctly, um, oxytocin is involved with like infant parent reactions uh-huh. and stuff too. So it would make sense that this kind of thing is like very deep in our psychological matrices or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. So kind of a, a little bit of like a, que- a philosophical question for you here, like in your own kind of contextualization of, you know, of this label or archetype or whatever you want to call it, like, what does it mean to you to be a Dom? That's a good question because everything in society presents you with the opportunity to either control a situation or submit to a situation or person. And uh, a Dom is somebody that willingly takes on the responsibility of directing somebody else. And in the context of what we're talking, usually that's in a romantic or social setting. Right. And it's a, a Dom is a response, a position of responsibility for driving the action. And uh, to, to define that, I have to look at the, the submissive side, the submissive side, the submissive releases control and the Dom, the Dom takes control, takes that control and submissive, submissive will offer. Okay. So, so let's say that the submissive says, okay, so I'm willing to uh, lay here and, and let you touch me, lay here and let you touch me. And so the, then the, the Dom will say, okay, so that's a tool that I can use and I'm going to touch you in certain ways. And they'll determine how that tool gets used to a degree. Does that make, does that make sense to everybody? Yes. Yeah. Then we can increase that. So I give you permission to whack me with this paddle with these little holes in it. Okay. And so now the Dom has to determine how much force, how often, where that paddle will be applied. Uh, that's in a BDSM setting. Okay. And often this is called a top position also. Usually a Dom has a more romantic or a more, not romantic, a more emotional connection with the situation. Right. And so they take this tool and then they apply it. Now there are rules that go with this too. And that goes into consent. And that goes into consent and safe, sane, and consensual rules and risk, things like that. And this gets very interesting when you start talking about virtual space because the DOM is has really got to trust the feedback of the submissive, really got to trust that because you're not there to watch their eyes. You're not there to see that their fingers, are, that their, the, their fingernail beds aren't discoloring. So they're going into shock or anything like that. So the Dom is the one that's got to manipulate and, and move through that space as permissed by the submissive. You mentioned safe, sane, and consensual and like risk aware. Maybe this would be a good time to sort of like hammer out those definitions real quick in case we lost anybody. Yeah. So uh, SSC, safe, sane, and consensual basically means that all, par- all parties are aware of what's going on and they agree to it. So a lot of people you apply a safe word to this. So if you go too far, you can use a safe word and that tells everybody to back off. Uh, safe words I like are like signal lights. So is everything okay? Green. So is everything green? Yes. Yes. And if, the, if, the, if, if uh, then you ask, okay, so, so are we green, yellow, or red? And I say yellow. So yellow means you got to slow down, right? You got to stop right there and see what's going on and adjust. Does that, and then red means we got to stop we're going to back down slowly. I like to back down slowly when, unless it's necessary. 
And then usually they'll tell me it's a hard red, it's red, 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 red. They'll just keep saying it or shaking their head no, because I'm a fan of ball gags. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> So you're saying that green is full speed ahead, yellow is proceed with caution, and red is full stop, just like a stoplight. Right, right. Okay. Except I would I would never full stop because that, that can enter uh, other shock uh, trauma events. This is what I've heard of like what's called the sub drop. Like if you suddenly stop, there's like a a drop in the body chemistry and it can lead to a lot of like depression, anxiety, and you know, it can it can really like mess them up. It's really smart to actually kind of slower like, slow down from it than hard stop. This is just what I read as well. So I, I agree. I agree. In most cases, that's that's true. Now, subdrop can happen regardless of that, by the way, because keep in mind, we're elevating the happy chemicals in the brain as we go along. And when you stop stimulating that, the, the, those chemicals can just naturally fall off. And then that can leave people's feelings sad. Mm-hmm. So that's an, that's an actual event that could continue. That'd be a lot. That's the phase of where a lot of aftercare is needed. Right. I assume. Big on it. Well, you got a good grasp on this. Oh, thank you. Ready to take on a ready, ready to whack somebody on a high knee? Is that what? Yeah. Uh, well, yes, actually. <laughs> actually, I'm it. always ready for that. But follow you know. your dreams. Follow my dreams. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. I don't know if I finished the question. Did I finish the question? Oh, risk. The crux of risk is that everybody knows that what you're doing is potentially dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. That's everybody has to know risk-aware, consensual kink. And so that's part of the, that's part of the deal is everybody is, ma- is, is fully aware that what you're going to do is, is dangerous. And some people see it as kind of opposite of safe, sane, and consensual, where safe, sane, and consensual th- considers that some acts are safe, are relatively safe. Uh, risk assumes that all acts are potentially dangerous. Now, in your opinion, which one is more accurate? I think it depends on the the the, the people doing the act for the most sure. part. Okay, well, that um, makes sense. I, now, I will say that I will say that I think that anything can be dangerous. One of the biggest fears I faced uh, doing doing virtual, one of the biggest fears I've ever faced is uh, the concept of somebody going into going into drop and just drooling out on a uh, over their keyboard due to a communication drop. That's a big fear. And so uh, when you're doing virtual, that's always a problem. You're not in direct contact. You can't sell, see exactly what's going on. So I think in that case, we should consider that risk. Uh, almost all virtual play is being risk because, and you don't know exactly how far the other person's going. So let's go back to the spoon incident. Let's say, um, let's say in, in this case that um, uh, Deep is actually wh- whacking himself with a spoon per, per a dominance instruction, right? Or, mm-hmm. Or dominatrix, I don't know. Um, so you're Either actually whacking yourself with a spoon. Now the dominatrix isn't there to see how hard you're whacking with a spoon, and, and you uh, go into subspace, and all of a sudden you don't, you might not suffer pain anymore. You may not be aware of pain. You may not be aware of the fact that you're actually harming yourself, and you slip over and you start beating yourself right over your hip bone instead. You're still feeling the smacking sensation, but now you got relatively thin protection versus your skin surface and your bone. So now you could technically hurt yourself. So that's where virtual comes in. That's why I would say it's always risk. Does Mm -hmm. does that make sense? Yes, sir. Sure. Yeah, sure. 
SSC is better for self-play because the dom the dominant can actually observe what's going on, and there's you know there's things that you you should learn uh, to tell the, the the person. And I'm a big believer if you're going to do anything really intense that you need to have somebody trained with first aid nearby too because of these kind of things because you never know when something's just going to pop off. So I, I learned the hard way as a when I was a when I was working with my mentor one time to actually tie my own knots because I trusted his knot. And the woman we were working with went berserk and busted my nose. So no. she got loose and, and broke my nose. And she was just, she went wild, absolutely feral. So <laughs> that was a thing. That's when I was working in the club in, in uh, Palm Springs. So that was a neat thing. So. <laughs> I do have a quick question when you say Palm Springs. Is it California or Florida? Not to, And if you don't want to answer that, that's fine. California. Okay, cool. private club, so it's not I right. actually do have friends who live kind of close to there in Palm mm -hmm. Springs, and they're very big into the more uh, BDSM community. So that's kind of interesting. It's almost like a small world. It's all over the place. It's yeah. all over the place. And it was, it was really big there. Uh, so I actually encountered two separate groups while I was in California. I was stationed there as a young Marine. Anyway, so that's, in my opinion, the difference between uh, RISC and SSC. One thing that... Like, I constantly, when we hear the words like top and bottom and dom and sub, but like, what is the difference between these things? Or is there really one? In modern context, um, a lot of people don't separate that at all. But uh, in the, uh, in my time, then it was, it was broken up by the, the top and bottom were, um, a position or a an, a function, whereas uh, dom and sub were a uh, a relationship of sorts. Ah, okay. So that makes um, sense. The, the, you'd have the title of dom, but realistically, when I worked in the club, the dom I wasn't actually a dom; I was functioning as a top. But the title was dom, so that's that's a different thing. And the, the actual function, I had no emotional connection with the people, so. Um, in fact, they were masked, and so was I. So, um, no way to know who they were. Oh. Well, there were ways to know who they were. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, people have tattoos and shit, but yeah. There's just mole here and there. Like, hey. you see them at the like gas station. Like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have me driving by while I was waiting for the bus back to Twenty Nine Palms. Yeah. I know you. She recognized my stance. She'd been really focused on me because, you know, I've been whacking her with a cane for about a half hour. <laughs> that, that would make me remember somebody. That's also a really brave question to ask somebody at a bus stop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been asked a lot of weird questions at a bus stop. That just feels like right up a bus stop question <laughs> alley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You haven't ridden a bus recently. That's what I'm thinking. There's <laughs> no rules, baby. There are no rules at the bus stop. I mean, there's some rules at the bus stop. I'm just saying. Not that I've seen recognized. Not that are always recognized. Good point. All right. We've talked on our show, uh, specifically in the Shibari with Nerds Rope episode, uh -huh. about how... Uh, bottoms and tops experience altered states of consciousness, uh, but they're different states of consciousness. 
What does top space feel like to you? Wax poetic for us. Wax poetic. <laughs> Closest I get to poetry sometimes is, there I was, thought I was going to die. But okay, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so top space. So the Now other people, people experience all these states differently. But for me personally, when I enter top space, there is a level of confidence and, and power and authority that I can sense and others can sense in me. And I, I honestly believe that's because my, my, um, my serotonin and dopamine levels are raising so high, especially the dopamine, that I start giving off physical cues. And see, the problem with that is I have to really watch my decision-making skills because you, be, you get that point where you honestly think you can't make a bad decision. <laughs> Your decision is I right. I that. And that's yeah. how that is because, and that's an effect of the serotonin in your system. And serotonin is one of those things that exists in almost every living creature on the planet. And it has to do with our leadership roles. So one of the things that's very interesting about serotonin is in pack animals, the alpha of the group, Now a lot of people talk about alpha male bullshit, and that's kind of funny <laughs> to me, but the true alpha of the group is the single one that raises the serotonin highest in the group through social interaction. That's for social creatures. Ah. Okay. I do love hearing all the alpha, like all this alpha male bullshit. It's like, you know, the alpha male provides for the group, right? <laughs> like, well, and, and actually typically just to toss in here real quick with my background in biology and ecology and stuff, like typically when we see like these kind of animals that have, a sort of like harem situation where the alpha male will have a harem of females. Like the alpha male is out protecting the territory and, and doing mm -hmm. all that where the beta males are actually fathering most of the young. So right. that's interesting. <laughs> right. And, and what's funny is the alpha male usually, it seems to be imperceptible. It doesn't seem to perceive what's actually going on. So you see this in gorillas. Well, uh, well a new alpha male will take, take place. He'll, he will cause miscarriages in the, uh, in the harem. Uh, and he'll beat them until they miscarry quite often. And then, and then, and that's just how they work. Um, and then, then they will start producing and he will think that there is, but they probably are not. One of the things about being an alpha male is you are responsible, right? So the alpha, uh, alpha, anybody, you are responsible for the well-being of the group that you're part of. Without that group, you're not anything. Well, if the alpha male is an utter jerk, then pretty soon the alpha male is out there by alone, and nobody bothers to tell him there's a jaguar out there. Oopsie, whoopsie. <laughs> Whoops. New alpha male. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's an interesting thing, and that happens in human societies too. We see that all the time. You know, the bully has got to be rewarding his thugs that work with him, or he's going to end up by himself, and somebody's going to kick his ass. It's going to happen. That's what keeps him in position as the bully. Mm -hmm. And so that's not the alpha male. That's definitely not an alpha male position. And and so as a dom and in top space, you're driven you're driven to care for that person. But if you go too far and you relax into it too much, you can lose track of what's actually healthy for them. Because you you start wanting to feed that serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin even deeper, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, oh, I, I missed one thing on the oxytocin. Oxytocin, you can receive oxytocin for honest, earnest service to another. And if submissive isn't honest, earnest service to another, I don't know what is. 
So remember, that person's giving, that person's getting, and all observers are getting as well. That actually makes sense. That's one of the big reasons why, when I was younger, I got into the massage therapy uh, field because it was very rewarding to mm -hmm. like just earnestly help people through the power of through the power of touch. You know, but like, yeah, I read that massage is one of the ways that's been clinically proven to increase serotonin levels. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and also it helps with uh, it helps a little bit with the immune system because when I was going through school for it, you would get a massage every day i never got sick like the entire year i was taking those courses so yeah well i'm guessing yeah the stress just the stress release aspect of it probably had a huge impact i mean we understand that stress can be a huge factor in a lot of illnesses so Makes that totally sense. tracks yeah that's why i've been sick a lot recently <laughs> <laughs> well and if you look at it the, the usually the alpha of the group is the healthiest member of the group <laughs> not me then well, you can work on that. I can show you how to help that. Oh, okay. First of all, go get a good rub down, man. Have somebody whack your ass with a spoon? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yes, do that. Do that. Do that. If, that's your... if you're into it. Sounds pretty top, great, actually. Top Space is a is a clean spot. I mean, uh, it's clean. It's it's very For me, it's very precise. I come from a military background as an adult, as a young man without that. I was, a, as a young man, before I joined the military, I was a thug. And uh, I, uh, the top space really puts me into a clear overall perception of my uh, uh, of my environment, and hopefully my partner at all times. But you know, again, you got to watch it. You got to watch what you're doing, and when you, it takes training to back down when you feel that you're not in control. So that's top space for me. It does sound very. Like it's weird to say this in a way, but like the more I look into, the more dom roles the more it seems it's very humbling experience as well mm -hmm. like you really have to you really have to be in control and in focus on what you're doing so it's a very and it seems to me too like it can be a very good tool for like being in the moment as well yes yeah i i, I think that i'm really in the moment because i'm always trying to call pull, pull the cues up uh that i need to to keep the moment to keep that moment alive does that make sense yes it does actually yeah like you want to continue the uh moment as you said now i'm just repeating what you said so that's good <laughs> i have no problem with that it makes me sound really clever <laughs> yeah we've we've kind of talked about this idea of like a flow state and stuff is there anything in your sort of daily life outside of your bdsm practice that takes you to this like a similar type of place um sometimes when i'm working on art projects especially heavily physical ones it happens or when i'm doing uh when i was working on cars working I, I love to work on cars but i can't stand to be dirty so ah. um, <laughs> i totally understand <laughs> <laughs> um so when i get in that state it's just it's very similar it's very i know what i'm doing uh things just happen in the right order because well, I think it's because my brain gets amped up on these on these chemicals, and I'm really happy, and I love the ability to fix things that other people can't work on, and uh, I love just working. I love the feeling of sweat, uh, which is weird because I don't like being dirty, but I like the feeling of sweat. Uh, um, I have the same feeling where it's like I don't like to feel sweaty from heat, but if it's like sweat from activity, it feels like in a weird way pure. It feels more 
it feels very earned. It's accomplishment juice. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like rather than just like being in the hot Florida sun and be like, oh, it's so humid. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also sort of accomplishment juice since you're braving the extreme conditions. I don't know. It's true. It's kind of like a sauna. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I uh, well, and and so that also falls into the dopamine where you you do you finish a thing, you do a thing, um, you hit a goal. Right. And that's any kind of project where you hit a goal, that's going to give you a dopamine dump right there. So that's true. That's why they say when you make a list, like uh, cross it off, you know. Oh, so satisfying. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And make make a list with little parts. Don't don't just make a list of the big things you want to do today. Break it down to what you got to do to get. Why it deny yourself the pleasure of crossing I, yeah, this little thing yeah. off? <laughs> I totally understand. Oh yeah, cross something off. Done. Oh yeah. yeah. No hell yeah, that's very smart. Okay, so we've touched on this a little bit, especially in the bio and stuff. But okay, so. Do you have a sort of favorite, like, go-to type of activity that you like to focus on in your practice? Um, you had mentioned orgasm control and stuff in the bio, and I was hoping you could elaborate a little bit on that stuff. Okay, so um, it's very satisfying for me to tell somebody when to. Not to deny it, but to delay it until it's time and let it release. And I find it satisfying usually to the subject too, because they're giving and giving and giving, and then they're rewarded. And there's something about that level of control on the animal side, because orgasm is an animal thing. It, it's very rare that I, I don't think I've ever met anybody who I can honestly say can just do it right on the spot, say, I'm going to do it right now. I understand there are people who have audit, that have odd events happen to them there's one woman that actually committed suicide because she kept orgasming she couldn't stop oh. over and over um so I, that's uh that's the thing but so so far as the control not just the control but the training to extend the orgasm and make it more powerful so for instance instead of you know the average orgasm you know in a woman usually only lasts about i think it's was it 17 seconds the average woman because most of them just snap it's gone i just remember reading that somewhere uh recently but my goal is to make that longer so what i would like to do and this is virtually you i've gotten as far as like five five minutes and some seconds oh wow yeah yeah but in real life the woman who broke my <laughs> nose she was at 20 minutes when she got loose Ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh okay <laughs> So that's why she went crazy. That kind yeah. of makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it was the contract. I just did what I was told to do. I mean, imagine the release afterwards, though. Like, how good that must have felt. I'm sure it was amazing for this person. Okay, so I'm kind of curious, like, listening to you say this, like, how do you know when it's, quote, time? Like, how do you uh, kind of gauge that? Well, uh, physically, it's actually fairly easy. You can see a change in the... In the uh, eyes usually or in the motion of the body and that's not a big problem to notice it's 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 you you want to get that tension up there where it needs to happen and with a little bit of practice you can recognize when that's important and you can't go too far because some people you go too far they lose it altogether. that's harder to do virtually even if you're on camera because you can't get the right view but especially over just voice because you have to listen to the breath and the change you have to keep ha keep the conversation going at the same time and so usually what I'll use is I'll use a keyword or a, a timer, right? Uh, and I, my personal preference, ego uh, powering uh, altogether, is to use my name 
as that timer. So I'll have them continue saying my name as they're building up. So they'll continue repeating my name and I'll repeat something. I'll sometimes repeat that back to them. I'll sometimes use their name, I'll sometimes use a term and you find key, you build keys to help with that. And then when you sense a difference, when it's time, you can tell when they want to, because you know, when, you, when you're ready to go, you want to do it, right? You just want to come. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Come. Oh hell yeah. So <laughs> when the, when you, you want to move past that point and develop it and then get the, I will just refer to them as the subject at this time, get the subject to release after the normal time, after the normal time. Okay. And so that's how I do that. That's how I like to do that. And that, uh, again, that's going to, that you're going to get, you're going to get the oxytocin. You're going to get the dopamine. You're going to get the serotonin. And you're probably, if you waited long enough, you're going to, you're going to get the endorphins too. Cause they're uncomfortable because they've been holding back. <laughs> It's a really good blast. <laughs> okay. I hear that I funny breathing going on. Yeah, I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about this. Yeah, I hear that thought going on. It's okay. This is a safe place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for telling us our own podcast is a safe place. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm taking control>. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. That's oh, very interesting. Someone's yeah. in control. <laughs> Finally, somebody's in control of this fucking ship. Yeah, and then the other thing I like to do is actually make them stronger, and that takes practice. So, you know, you, 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 everybody's had a, a really good, a really good orgasm and a really good ejaculation, and, and then they've had just a, a one that got it, got it done, right? So the goal is to drive it more towards the really intense, and then, and then repeat it over and over. As often as you can. <laughs> okay, and so like the the idea here is like you know the delay of it. I I think like the idea of like edging or whatever might come in here, but like mm -hmm. that builds the intensity, and through practice, it builds the amount of time too. Yeah, it can it can increase you can increase the endurance or and the and or the power of it. Yeah, yeah. So for people who are working by themselves um, and don't have a sort of relationship like this, would you have any tips for them to increase the intensity or length of their own orgasms? Well, uh, Kegels are very good, especially during the act. So uh, one thing that I would recommend you do is find a pattern you like and find a pattern you're comfortable with. Well, maybe put it that way. Sorry, real quick. What do you mean when you say pattern? Okay, so... Like I'll have somebody repeat my name three times and clench while they hold hold that name, Malcolm, 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 and they'll clench while they do that, and then release right as they're building up towards orgasm as they're playing, um, and then when they get to the point where they want to, just clench and hold on to it and do that same pattern to hold off on it, and then maybe extend the pattern as they get used to that. That's a good way to do that. Mm. Um, and you can do that male or female uh, and, and, and males often discover quite within within a, a month and a half of practicing this sort of act that they start achieving orgasms uh, as well as or instead of ejaculations which feel a lot better definitely gonna try that <laughs> like, that sounds amazing uh... Okay, yeah, interesting, because I, um, you know, just looking at the statistics for our show, we have a lot of male listeners. Could you elaborate just a little bit about how people might get into that? 
Well, first of all, I turn the porn off and get in your own mind space and uh, build your fantasy. I don't have a problem with images, but I wouldn't go with uh, extremes on that. Does that make sense? I wouldn't go with, with extremes. Like, um, I, I wouldn't go with, with, with Barbie doll models. Not that there's people, that there's anything wrong with looking at that or people wanting to look like that. But if it's the less realistic it is, the rest, less average it is, I better put it that way, the less average it is, the more likely it is to trigger into an, uh, uh, a, uh, into a specific kink on its own. And maybe you might become obsessive and it could turn into a fetish where that's the only way you can get off. So I would, my biggest thing is use your brain. Let your brain do its work. The best sex always happens between your ears. That actually makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Without diving, without diving too much into like personal things, which we'll get into later in the podcast, so look forward to that. But that makes a lot of sense, what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, from my own personal experience, I found that, you know, removing pornography from my, you know, sort of toolkit really did help to enrich my fantasy life and, you know, make the sort of solo experience much more uh, visceral and meaningful and, and good. I mean, yeah, I would definitely, I think not to knock whatever people are into, but I think it's definitely something I would encourage people to at least experiment with. Oh, for sure. Like maybe for like a, like a week or something like that. Like, you know, just try to more or less live in your own head when it comes to, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. What I found was that by eliminating these kind of outside factors, I was able to have like much more immersive fantasies that were much more satisfying to experience. It, 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 it makes sense if you think about it. You're no longer relying on, on your eyes um to give you data now now males are traditionally simulated optically that's true in, in in our nature in our nature but when we start to turn on our minds we start discovering new worlds of of enjoyment new satisfactions new curiosities and new a new uh a nuances to ourselves that that really help us move along in that path to uh sexual awareness and uh because we're so blinded by our sight so that's the step one. I'd turn off the porn. Step two is make sure you have a safe place to be. I mean, if you're worried about getting caught it, for any reason, I mean, you know, you just you know, your spouse is uncomfortable with it. Your your, your mom's going to walk in. I don't know how old people are that are listening. So <laughs> whatever's going to happen, and that could happen if you're 42. So exactly. <laughs> we don't know your lives. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not I was like, hey, yeah, just saying. We're not know? judging. We don't know your lives. <laughs> but yes, this makes sense. Like, make a safe space for yourself. Like to to be able to relax and mm -hmm. get into it. Now, I don't know if my bio mentioned it, but I'm I'm a broom closet chaos magician for a large part of the thing as well. Same. And uh, so uh, it's very important that you make sure that you're comfortable. And if you're a practicing magician, you probably have the meditation skills to do that. And I would just, I would find yourself a, a, a calming, uh, create yourself a calming meditation, magic or not, uh, calming med meditation beforehand to get your brain centered and let you know it's time to do this and just enjoy it and, and let go and, and feel good about it. It's a glorious thing to be able to enjoy this uh, event by yourself and there's absolutely nothing to be ashamed of i mean uh, maybe i'm the wrong person to talk i was born with an erection so you know there you go <laughs> <laughs> but uh i'm a big believer 
I'm pretty sure if I was born with a penis, it would have been erect here. <laughs> there you go. Hell yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much. No worries. And then when you when you go to develop it, just find that pattern, find a way that works, and then you know find the stroke that you want to work. Because uh, and, and and this applies to females too, in my experience. Find the stroke, uh, the the speed that you want to go, right? The cycle, uh, how many cycles you want to go, how fast you want to go, how 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 much pressure you want to use, and explore it. Build yourself up a pattern and and then explore it. That's, that's all I can say is explore that moment, that 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 point. And when you're ready, just clench down, hold. Now, guys, one thing that you can do is towel lifts. I know this sounds like a joke, but when you're in the shower, just take a washcloth, drape it over there, drape it over your member, and lift it a few times. If you mm. if you're erect, just do it. It's not a problem. Do the towel lifts. This will this will all strengthen that structure and give you more control over what's going on down there. I have never heard about these towel lifts before, but I'm here for it. I'm going to look that up after this. (laughs) There you go. So that's, that's ways you can strengthen all that stuff up. And then it's just a matter of being in your own mind space. Does that work? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, Let's see. There's one thing I did want to actually, since you did say you were like, uh, at least with now more into the virtual BDSM, which I actually kind of, I like that a lot more, like than face to face. But that's well, there is a fucking pandemic going on too, so that's a a thing also. Which I think that's a very cool thing to explore in circumstances such as we find ourselves in now. So that makes Uh, sense. So it makes like a lot of sense, and it's like, oh, good. I'm glad when it's like more of my preference. But uh, when it comes to like physical and virtual BDSM, like what are the pros, cons, and like all the nuances that are involved? Like I know you kind of skimmed over that, but if you wanted to like kind of enlighten a little bit more onto that, well, physical of course is going to be you're going to have more uh, ability to read what's exactly going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a, a well-trained house dominant will be able to read skin color, finger activity. Uh, leg activity just look at uh, looking at all of your erectile tissues all the all the subjects of erectile tissues uh, and see exactly what's going on with them what state they're in okay so that's one advantage you have physically and i personally prefer to be physical but truthfully uh, when when functioning as a house dom you, you never have sex with a subject mm-hmm. so it's all about serving their need it's all about serving their need um, now, as an individual practicing dom, now that's outside of the club environment, then that's a different thing. You might be having sex with that person after you get them fully fired up. Or during that, it could be part of it. It could be part of the toolbox. And one of the things that's, that's very important to be aware of is you have that sensory input right directly. You don't have to, re- you don't have to relay on second-guessing what you're hearing or having them tell you what they're feeling. Uh, so that's the physical aspect of it. And... On the virtual aspect of it, so what's really fun there is you can really turn this into huge storylines of fantasy as well. So you can actually enter into the fantasy possibilities versus the physical restrictions of reality. So I'll give you an example. Um, I don't know if you've ever done Second Life, but Second Life has a huge, uh, it's mostly, most people call it sex life. Oh, yeah. I've seen oh it. yeah, <laughs> and this is like a immersive video game, right? Like mm. to call for it people game, that aren't familiar with it. Yeah, it's a virtual in it's a virtual social environment. 
So think of it like a, a, a chat room with 3D visual aspects to it that are that can be very enticing. Okay. And if you have the least, slightest fantasy about what you want, what you might want to do, you can do it there. And if you don't do it, somebody else knows where to get it done. Does yep. that make sense? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> where can I go have some? Where can I go some some enjoy some good anal? tentacle penetration you can do that there and you can visualize it and remember your brain doesn't know the difference between reality and fantasy it has no idea of how to deal with that well that's why pornography works right that totally tracks yeah Mm -hmm. your brain doesn't know the difference and so you can get the same releases now the problem is you don't get accurate feedback right you don't always get accurate feedback so as a dom it's kind of dangerous uh, just doing phone, just doing phones. The wrong, if you disconnect at the wrong time, bad things can happen. If you're online, you know somebody else could jump on your pose ball, and next thing you know, you know, <laughs> your your play partner is married off to somebody. It happens. I don't <laughs> so know what that means, but it sounds intense. <laughs> um, so it used to be uh, so in Second Life that everything has to be animated because it's a computer generated environment. So they used to have pose balls. You'd hop on the pose ball and that's, you know, your partner would hop on the pink one. You'd pick up, hop on the blue one or vice versa. And then there you go. Off you were doing the visual. So that would give you interactive porn, basically. Okay. Okay. So you're watching these kind of like avatars engage in sexual acts with one another? Yeah, and then you play along with it. And that's, okay. That adds that adds or detracts if you get too obsessed with it. It detracts from it, but it, it can add to the experience. You can it can help you visualize it more clearly. Okay, that makes sense. It gives you sort of like anchor to um, focus your attention on or whatever. Uh huh. Yeah, and then when you get with fo- like I said, just pure audio, that's a challenge because you know you can't have uh, the, the, the clear communication if you're not trained to listen for certain cues. If you haven't worked together before, uh, all these things can be kind of touchy, hard to read. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. So in general, there's pros and cons to each one of these things, like whether you're doing it virtually or physically, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, uh, yeah, that sounds like it's just a matter of what circumstances are best. Yeah. Figure out what's worse for you. You do you. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. And if you doing you is doing somebody else too, and they're agreeable, life is good. Because it always comes down to consent. Remember, we're all about consent, (laughs) all of us. Yes, the oh, yeah. asterisk of consent is always present and it always applies. We are heavy into that. And we'll talk about that a little in a few minutes as well. I want yeah, to I think, that. actually, let's talk about it now. Let's just talk about it right yeah. now. Go let's do it. it. Let's get into it. Okay. All right, then. So just to hammer home the more importance of like safety consent uh, talk, especially within the BDS community, there is a lot of that. Uh, could you... And, any other advice based on your own experiences? Like, could you more elaborate on that? Well, the, the biggest problem is consent is moment to moment. Somebody has the right to say no. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And that's one thing that um, a, a lot of people are really have problems with in the community is some people don't believe in altered consent. So you've agreed to do this act. So we're going to go here no matter what you say. And they think that that, and, and, and I can't say that they're wrong. I can see their point. I don't agree with it. I, but, 
I'm right there with you. Honestly, it's just like eh, I I see where they're coming from, but at the same time, that's just that doesn't seem very socially acceptable as well. Right. At least in my opinion. And I would think that would come down to you and your partner. Yes. Whoever you're working with. I think that would come down to them. If they're okay with that in the long run, are they going to be okay with that the day after tomorrow? That's exactly. a big question. And so that's a big problem in the community. And some people don't believe in consent at all. They think once you submit, then boom, it's done. Right? And I personally think that seems very fucking problematic because here we believe that consent must be enthusiastic and ongoing at all times to actually be consent. I'm a big believer that that's bovine scatology right there. No question. (laughs) The number of times I've had to, to help somebody that got directly abused by somebody that didn't understand I'm stop just shocks me. And it happens a lot more in the virtual world because there's anonymity. Whereas in the physical world, usually you know somebody that's in the in the lifestyle as well, and the word gets around. And if you uh, if you ruin your reputation, you're going to be going somewhere else to look to play. The community you're in is not going to have anything to do with you. Again, the Makes bully sense. ends up out by himself. Sure, it goes back to our uh, alpha male conversation. Mm-hmm. Like after a while, <laughs> no one's nobody's going to want to play with that person anyway. And that's, uh, I, I don't know. And, and so I don't have a problem with, see, the, the thing is, I don't understand people that don't, that have a problem with no, because it's about service to each other. The, the submissive offers up a service, a pleasure, a treat to the dominant. The dominant gives a treat, a pleasure to the submissive. In my opinion, it has to be, for me, it has to be both ways. If it's only one way, then I'm, I'm not interested in that person. I'm not interested in somebody that doesn't want anything else back does that make sense oh yeah Yeah. oh yeah totally that doesn't satisfy my need and that's why i fall into the daddy dom category a lot i'm a caregiver by nature i like to care for the person i like to make sure that they're taken care of and healthy and happy and all that i like them to come a lot too though so yeah (laughs) (laughs) who doesn't (laughs) well yeah and i think what was interesting in some of what you said earlier was the idea that you know even in a sort of like if you contextualize yourself in in like a dominant position you're still serving Mm -hmm. so i think i think there's a kind of interesting like juxtaposition there in terms of like what people might think about in terms of like what those words mean so yeah it's very cool it's it's a kind of like interesting balance i think i i think so and and what's interesting is when you look at the 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 conflict between top and dom so we talked about that earlier too the top is in, the top is a function it's a function in the in the act uh, they're not emotionally invested uh, that's not to say that they aren't giving or getting that's just to say that they're not emotionally invested they're not drawing that, that emotional they're not sharing on a emotional level with the person that, the, with the with the subject uh, yeah and, and i agree and but language is so like complicated and nuanced too like i mean i've heard it contextualized also that a person could be a submissive but be fulfilling a top role because Mm -hmm. that's what their dominant wanted them to do like it you know Mm -hmm. there can be like context depending on the situation and all kinds of other things too so yeah worked with a girl for a while that was like that she's submissive in nature but she was really good at training other subs teaching other subs how to do that thing from a from a top position so 
because she understood it. She understood the chemistry and she had the intellect necessary to do that. Um, one thing I will tell you that that's amazing. A lot of people think that uh, both ends of this are either bullies, stupid bullies for the top end, or they're stupid subs for the bottom end. You know, they're just stupid. They can't do anything else. But that's not the case. Some of the, some of the most powerful subs I've ever dealt with were businesswomen. They needed that. They needed that other side of it to, to make their balance, give them balance, and and housewives and all kinds of people from all over uh, come. And I find that actually it's a much more I would almost say spiritually open and friendly environment when dealing with kinksters, right? Uh, and intellectually powerful. They're, they tend they tend to be to at least project a more intelligent mind space than the average population, in my opinion. In my opinion, it's interesting. I think I wondered I mean, there. I can see that from <laughs> you. Like you like not to like toot your own horn or you know like buddy up and everything, but I can definitely see that with yourself you're very intelligent when it comes to this thank you and it's more it comes from not just this but like just from your background and like lifestyle so it's like i can definitely see that too thank you well i i always say i'm a reasonably clever fellow that's that's what i tell people <laughs> i do believe it so, so you know you, you mentioned humility earlier on and that, that was a really good thing uh, because I think humility pays a part in it. And to say I'm humble would be incorrect in most people's eyes, but I try and practice what I call honest humility. And that is to mean, that is to say that I can, I, yeah, I have the right to say I'm good at something if I can show that I'm good at it. Yes. I have the right to say that. I can't say I'm best. That's the one thing about, about, about being best. Nobody can say they're the best and be accurate about that. The best is always determined by other people. We just finished the Olympics and just an example the ones that got the gold medals were rated as the best. But the moment they step off the dais, they're no longer the best. There's already somebody there that's better than they are, probably. They just haven't, they're not on the dais right now. Yeah, better so, to just compete with yourself, right? I agree. Yeah. That's the one thing, too, like, especially what they teach more the Olympians as well, is like you're not competing with others, you are competing with yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. Race car drivers have the same thing where it's like you're not, well, more or less, but they're like, you don't compete with other people. You're competing with the track. Like You're always trying to compete with yourself. Like that's the more healthier attitude to have when competitive sports. I'm not, sure. I'm not a big sports guy or anything, but I wish I learned <laughs> that when I was a kid and maybe I could have joined in some organized sports. That's, that's accurate. And I'll tell you what's interesting. You see a lot of uh, DS behavior in organized sports. You do, don't you? Football, for example, you normally see the quarterback in charge, but rarely is the quarterback actually the dominant fu function when they get out, if, they're if they've got a healthy development, when they get off the field. Uh, again, I think it has to do with that alpha male concept. The alpha male is actually exhausted. Right? <laughs> He's tired of doing everything. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's part of it. And if somebody else takes over when they get off the field. And, and usually you'll find on a team that, you know, got one guy's a party animal, animal animal um so one guy's a party animal and uh and uh, uh people off the field are attracted to that person something I, like that yeah and that's mm -hmm. interesting too like i think that there's some interesting hints about like hierarchies of power too and what you just said about especially about football and stuff like mm -hmm. or american football i don't know how it works with european football not my bailiwick but american football like so the you know, the quarterback is sort of in charge of the field, right? But, like, 
in a little bit of a way, but he also answers to the offensive coordinator and the coach mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Like there's this like kind of weird, uh, I mean, you not weird, but there's this power structure in play that has to be respected. I'm taking us way off track. <laughs> I'll probably cut that out because it's not really relevant. No, I don't think so. I think it is relevant. I think, I think that's, think it is. no, like it's a prime example, actually. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, let's look at a. Let's look at a. Okay, so I know that you're you you uh, were a mechanic when you were younger, Lux. I know that. So yes. Let's look at a shop. So normally you have somebody that operates the desk, right? Uh, and they they uh, in when I worked as a mechanic, that that person assigned the jobs to everybody that was all the mechanics. They would assign the jobs, and then they would they would work with the customers to see where everything got done. So in that instance, they were in they were in charge of what they organized the shop. But then they weren't necessarily the owner. They had somebody to answer to. The mechanics had to answer to them. Uh, quite often, uh, the mechanics, you'd have one that was uh, uh, had the biggest toolbox. Of course, all the jokes were made about the tiny pecker with that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so that's, that's a, another example of a hierarchy. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. So I think they all apply. And it, it, and it applies to how we interact on an individual level two in the in the in the ds and bdsm environment now keep in mind you know bondage uh uh dom- there's arguments to how what people say they say it is. Uh, yeah, oh yeah I, i've bondage seen those dominance, uh, uh, um sadomasochism oh. is what they normally uh, think it stands uh, for i've okay i've heard it contextualized like this which makes a lot of sense to me so like within this you know category of bdsm you have b and d which is uh bondage and discipline Mm-hmm. And then you have DNS, which is dominance and submission. Mm-hmm. And then you have S and M, which is, you know, sadomasochism. So like, it's like a little bit of a Venn diagram within this acronym. Oh, I like, oh, that. I like that. I, I like want to that. see a chart of that. <laughs> I think well, there now, is one. I'm sure I could find y'all. One. I know what the artwork's going artwork's to look like on the, on the, on the thing for that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I did see that artwork. We, we will find it. I know. Um, there was one last question, and I think this might be a question that we'll ask most of our guests, because this is actually the first interview we've done. So thank you so much for, uh, you know, taking the time to talk to us and everything. Yeah, first. And... Thank you. All right. Okay. All right. Malcolm, when did you first realize you were a kinky person? Okay. So you remember when we talked about the fear response earlier? Yes. <laughs> um this is not necessarily uh i I see two points in my life where i thought about it but i discovered the glories of the male penis at the ripe age of 12 years old now i'd had one before then of course but i'd never (laughs) it was there you just didn't notice it as much it wasn't important before then we used to have one of those small trailers that could had you, you, you could sleep four you know you could sleep four in there uh and i would go out there and that was my space like and, a camping kind yeah, of trailer like a camping thing? trailer okay yeah. okay okay cool and so i would go out there and i discovered that if i i would like to just go out there and nap to get away from my sisters because uh, they were very noisy and i would fall asleep and i'd wake up and it had this canvas two uh two rod hammock you know kind of more like a stretcher mm-hmm. but i discovered that that canvas felt really good when i moved just right <laughs> <laughs> and uh a 
apparently that was an inappropriate thing to do is make the, the, the trailer rock like that. And so that's when I first got my uh, uh, first lecture about being kind of uh, uh, about being a pervert, you know, and that's okay. But is that like, is that kinky though? Or is that just like normal sexual development? Nope. I'm so it, curious. I, I don't, I, I don't know. It is. I think okay. it is, but I think that's the first time I realized that I had a little bit different desires, or I thought I did, and then I found out everybody else, every other guy out there was been was spanking it as well. No disrespect intended to the current company. <laughs> Everyone's spanking it. It's cool. <laughs> I'm just the captain of spanking. Captain. <laughs> You're just the best. <laughs> Although I might fight you for that title someday. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I feel like left behind. I was like, uh, I did that it a week like ago. A like... Fun thing to video right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, can we involve oil in this? Um, anyway, I think it's more going to be more of a, a verbal altercation. Uh, motor oil <laughs> or essential oil. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I thought about that and I thought, and that's when I really thought that I was kind of, you know, I'm kind of different and I had to really embrace that because, you know, um, here I am a, a 12 year old boy and, this is just a really cool thing and I'm not giving it up. <laughs> yeah, it's like you it's like you found a little cheat code or something like that. Yes, I think I, we have referred to this as a, a cheat code. Yeah, where it's like everything sucks, but this is kind of nice and this is free sometimes. Well it can be. But and then I joined the Marine Corps and I lived in the barracks and I couldn't be doing this kind of thing all yeah. the time. <laughs> so um but what I did was I, I went out in town and uh, I, this just gets kind of convoluted. I, as a young man in the Marine Corps, I felt I wasn't getting the affection that was my fair share. Let's just call it affection for now. I'd, I'd had a girlfriend in, a, in high school and I was used to getting a lot of affection, especially the sweaty kind. I wasn't getting my affection. So I went out and I had to think about this because... Uh, I'm first of all, I'm built like a fire plug, right? So to imagine me, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm built like a fire plug and I was not the most handsome amongst men facially. And that's okay. I'm comfortable with that. I'm not bashing that. It taught me how to talk to people to get what I wanted. Um, I think it would have ruined me if I'd have been a pretty boy because of my personality. It just would have made people distrust me if I was pretty and I could talk that well. Like, you're pretty and confident? I don't yeah. trust this guy. Yeah, I don't like this guy. <laughs> I don't like this guy. He's better than me. You never yeah. said it, but I think it. Yeah. So I, th I think it would have would have given me more challenges. So, But what I did was I came up with a plan. I said, well, uh, a lot of people say lowering your standards, but that's not exactly what I did. I, look, I started looking for um, any one thing that I could appreciate about any woman, an individual for an individual woman. So being a het male, you know, uh, that's, that's what I was interested in. And so I started doing that. And I started finding out that I was hanging out with some really amazing people all of a sudden. And so I got rid of that. I got rid of those, those structures that require beauty to be aroused. And I started appreciating people for what they were and who they were. And then I met these three women who were a little heavier than 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 what's considered the average attractive, but I, I found them fascinating. Go me about on, dancing and wine and all these kind of neat things, and they introduced me to this group of people that really <laughs> liked having a lot of sex. And <laughs> being a young marine, being a young marine, um, in, in in a very fit one, I had a fair amount of stamina. <laughs> 
and they taught me things and I learned a lot of things and that's when I learned that I was kind of a perv and I'm happy about it and so that's when I realized it when I was a I'd say 19 yeah nice yeah. long story I apologize no no it's, it's very no, no, cool that's... thank you for sharing it with us and like yeah what I, what I think is interesting too like I mean just in terms of like contextualizing the story too it's like the thing that's almost kinky about it in the context in which it happened to you was that there was this taboo that was broken where uh-huh. these people weren't um, the standard of beauty of the time or whatever. Right. Like, uh-huh. but that didn't matter. Like, I think there can be a lot of, of power in that idea of like breaking these taboos and stuff, like in a, in a constructive way, obviously not in a, uh, some taboos exist for a reason, obviously, uh-huh. but yeah. That's very interesting. I agree. And, and I think that's what really set me free in that when I let go of my perceptions of beauty and started finding beauty where it really was in the people involved. And the funny thing was, as that happened, all of, all of the, the, the women that initially drew my eye and I felt were, uh, were you know, and, and, and basically gave me shit, um, they started being attracted to me because I became... I want to say spiritually powerful. Now, this is also the time I started learning about magic too. So I don't know what, you know, chicken and egg. I don't know which started which, but it can this, help. Trust it did give me the it did give me the opportunity to change my mindset. I will say that that was the that was one of the factors that allowed me to change my mindset so easily is I could just shift into another mode and I didn't have a problem with that. But I think that's one of the things is I let go of the, I let go of my perceptions of what I what everybody else thought was normal who gives a fuck what they think you know that's great y'all have a great time i'm getting late we'll see you later (laughs) yeah no and i think that like i think that actually is like a really good place to sort of leave it is like letting go of like people you know if you can let go of your sort of preconceived notions about something it leaves you free to enjoy the experience of it Uh i've always believed that there is no ugly people only like the attitude can be ugly but like physically there's no really ugly person everyone has something amazing about them amazing and attractive about them that's just my own personal uh philosophy i would agree with that yeah i'm a firm believer that everything that all of creation everything around us has its own beauty um if you spend enough time in the in the high desert you learn that it has its own beauty it's a harsh drastic place and in there is the self i mean you can feel the creation of the self of when you become yourself when you're just there by yourself in it uh you it, it's it's just an amazing thing and i'm i'm always fascinated with people i i love manure not like not like kink that's not we're not going kinky <laughs> I, I love manure because um uh, you use manure to grow pretty roses, and it it covers the world. Manure covers the world. <laughs> Bugs are shitting everywhere all the time. There's life. There's shit. But the th- fact is, that means there's life there, and there's something fertile and vibrant about it. And that's um, that's to me the magic of the magic of letting go of perceptions. That's know. really nice. All I right, like fuck yeah, dude. Hell nice. yeah. I was just in the moment of like, wow, that was enlightening. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
Thank you. Malcolm, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us this evening. Is there anything that we didn't ask you about that you want to discuss? Um, well, uh, when did, so I re, uh, I shared when I realized I was a kinky person. Does it, is it, uh, I'm hoping you will share that later on. Ooh. Or you can share it now while I'm here. <laughs> the yeah. pressure's on. Yeah. I, I wanted know. to, s okay, <laughs> you go. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I was probably 11 or 12, and I was an artist, which is very funny to say because I still am. And so this is kind of where it all started. And uh, there was a little website that had uh, only been around for a couple years. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called DeviantArt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, I haven't. Never. Never. Uh, Sweats. Like, this was, gosh, I don't want to list a year because then that's going to date me. But it was, DeviantArt was only a, a couple years old at the time. And uh, I had started making pixel art. And I was, a, I was a fresh new budding artist. And there wasn't really a whole lot of rules of what you could and could not post on DeviantArt. And... Uh, they had an entire section, and I don't even know if they still have it now. It's been easily a decade since I've been on it. They had a fetish section. And growing up, and I'm still like it now, if I don't know a word, uh, I'm just going to go see what they got and see if I can parse it myself. I did not know what the word fetish meant. <laughs> but I'd find out. <laughs> <laughs> it was all just a lot of really, like artistically done mostly black and white nude portraits and that was the coolest shit i'd ever seen like it wasn't it wasn't even just like sexually arousing it was like a mental arousing oh yeah i totally get that oh yeah. yeah where it was I like okay i got a taste of this and i just kind of want to see more i don't even want to see like like people fucking i just really want to see the human body uh in just about any pose in any way, any shades and colors possible. Yeah, fuck yeah. I get that. I totally get that. My my daughters are always amazed because we'll be going down, walking through the through the mall or driving down the street, and we'll see somebody with uh, with this aged or somebody that's got a, a something that's unusual about them. I say, creation is a beautiful thing, and they all just shock. What are you talking about? You crazy? <laughs> it really is, though. It is. Like the it human is. body is amazing. Yeah, it is. I, I love watching people just because of that. Yeah. yeah. I, get you. I totally hear you. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, unless anybody else has anything to say, I'm saving mine for a specific episode I had, in, uh -huh. I had in mind. So. Look forward to that uh, next year. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more thing I'd, I'd like to add. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. And I don't care who or how you love. But love, because there's not enough love in the world. And we spend, so many people are spending so much time hating instead of loving that it's really dragging us down. And I'd love to see people loving again. And that's all I have to say. But I want to thank you all for inviting me. It's been a really, really big pleasure. I had a lot of fun. I mean, I'm kind of in awe because I've listened to you all for a year. And it's been really cool. 
it's, and it's really an honor for you to invite me along. So thank you for the ride. You have been amazing. You have been very, like, I just love listening to your voice. It's very soothing. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, very, very soothing. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. Oh. It has been an honor to have you. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and share your insights and experience and everything. Welcome. Welcome to the Step family. <laughs> thank you much. You're one of us now. Oh, one dear. of us. <laughs> I put a D20 in my mouth. Okay, fuck yeah. Thank you so much again to Malcolm for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, we really appreciated it. Thank you so much, Malcolm. Okay, so after listening back on this, you know, interview, like, do y'all have any thoughts or comments that you would like to share? I did actually, like, I was surprised at how, like, comfortable he was at, like, talking to us you know it's like i always have it like in the back of my head like maybe people will be a little more like defensive or you you know like try to use like code words or something like that but you know he was very open and just very very knowledgeable obviously he has years of experience um on this subject so it was just nice to hear uh, his little words of wisdom it's always really nice hearing other people like it's Whenever it comes to sex and kink and anything that gets wrapped up in that little package, it's very easy to consider it a very a very personal and especially with uh, any any well, a lot of a lot of upbringings, it, it's shameful. So it's easy to assume that uh, no one does it or no one wants to talk about it. So it's always so nice when someone's just kind of free and open, and it's just. It's just a part of life. It's just a part of life that you talk about, you know? It's, I love it. Yeah, fuck yeah. I totally agree with what y'all are saying. I, yeah, after listening to the interview, like, there was one thing that stood out in my mind in particular. Like, we talked a bit about the idea of, like, well, we talked a lot about it, actually, but the idea of, like, power and power structures and, like, how there are, like, often complex hierarchies of power at play with these things. Mm-hmm. Um. There are some examples of this, like, you know, when Malcolm mentioned, like, the submissive that he worked with who was good at, you know, assuming a dominant role in order to, like, train other submissives. And we talked about, like, how there's, like, a sort of, like, power exchange that can happen or, like, a power dynamic maybe that happens, like, with organized sports, too. Um, And we see these, like, complex power structures emerge, like, in a lot of different cases, Um, But, like, in both of these instances that I mentioned, like, we can see that the people who are, like, involved in these activities are, like, I guess in some ways, like, playing, uh, I guess, like, maybe, like, a a game either literally or figuratively. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. they've agreed upon these different rules and goals and everything. Um, I just wonder, like, I think we see these types of power structures emerge in other places, too. They seem to me to be, like, sort of, I don't know, maybe, like, self-organizing and I'm not, like, sure about this or anything, but, like, anyway, if we think about it that way, we can start to look around at our own lives and identify, like, what types of power structures we are a part of. Like, where in our lives are we, like, tops or dominance or whatever? And, like, where is the con, you know, where's the converse true? 
like and in terms of like what you see there like are you like satisfied with that like have you given consent to fulfill those roles i don't know it's just kind of an interesting maybe like a philosophical question yeah yeah no like it it's pretty deep in the philosophical question because like now as you're mentioning it's like you can kind of think of too like even in your own job like especially all the retail jobs i've had there's definitely power structures happening there and little tyrants in their politics and all that but like you know like you say like did you sign up to be a part of this or not you know so you know it it it, it, it's interesting to look at it through that lens i uh I'm thinking about things that aren't even, like, already very organized power structures. Um, when it comes to uh, being in a vehicle, I'm not a huge fan of driving. So I am I think I'm a dirty little bottom whenever it comes to <laughs> traveling. <laughs> I have absolutely like... handed over power to someone else and given them the consent to take me there and not hurt me along the way. But you're, like, cool with that, though. Like, you're that's oh, your yeah. preference. Yeah. Oh, thank God, because I used to give you rides all the time. That'd be really weird. Of course. Yeah, and so, like, like the answers to these questions are going to be something that's going to be unique to every person and every, like, circumstance and everything like that. But it's worth thinking about, like, because consent, even if it extends to, like, how you choose to run your life, like, it's always a thing, right? And it should always apply, as we're always talking about. Like, Of course, of course. Yeah. I'm not always a dirty little bottom when I'm in the car, though. There are some people who I just won't let drive. That's probably wise. I don't. Yeah. I don't know the circumstances. Again, it's all circum. You know, based on circumstances and yeah. what is happening around us. So, let's just take a quick moment here to plug our sibling shows. We have Administrism, Ad Hoc History, Faith Blind Council Podcast, Unearthing Paranormalcy, and Lux Occult. I hear the host for Lux Occult is hot. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I heard that all of the hosts of Smuts Up are hot, so I don't know what to make of that. I feel like you'd have to be to to do a show like that, you know? Yeah, you kind of have to be a a little bit sexy, I guess. Yeah, this is so cringy. This is quite on brand for us. Okay. We're we're in the zone now. Oh, gods. All right. (laughs) We have some final words, though. Um, Some aftercare, if you will. We've said this before on the show, and we'll say it again and again and again. And again. And again. Everyone has a thing, and that's okay, as long as it's consensual and legal and all that stuff. But if you feel like your thing, whatever it is, is causing you problems, for instance, the stuff that psychologists might consider maladaptive, like anger, self-harm, avoidance, or withdrawal, please don't hesitate to talk to someone. You don't need to be ashamed of it. Yes, absolutely not. You do not need to be ashamed of it. And also, um, as we said earlier, consent is never optional and must be enthusiastic and ongoing. Minors and those under the influence of intoxicants cannot legally give consent. So don't do it. Don't fuck around like that. Yeah, don't do it. Don't, don't, yeah, just don't. Don't do it. And remember, no matter who you think you are right now, no matter what you look like, you deserve love and to be happy and all those good things. So please take care of yourself. That's an order, damn it. Take care of yourself. Yes, absolutely.
no matter what you look like or who you think you are or whatever people tell you about yourself, fuck that. Just take care of yourself. And remember, it's never a bad idea to put a condom on it when the opportunity presents itself. Remember to always put a condom on it and please be safe out there. Absolutely. We, please be safe. We love you. We love you. We love you. We, do. we love you. Thank you for listening. Do you, you want to try do it all three at once? The we love you? <laughs> okay, ready? This is going to go great. Yes. Three, two, one. We, we love, love you. you. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that, that wasn't that bad. That was pretty good. You can fix it in post. There's a point where they do that in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. <laughs> it's just so good. Oh, God, dude. You've somehow found a way to shoehorn lo- Home Alone into this episode at the very fucking end of it. I can get down on your knees and tell me you love me. I absolutely will. I take my calf off to you. <laughs> Cheers. I put a D20 in my mouth. I put a D20 in my mouth. Put a D20 in my mouth. There you go. (laughs) I put a D20 in my mouth. Smuts Up is a part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. To hear more great independent productions like the one you just listened to, visit our catalog at tgmpodcastnetwork.com. Hey folks, Dreadnought here from the Faithblind Council podcast. Myself, Frater Yara Marud, and Seder Cologne have been working for over a year to produce a show that talks about practicing chaos magic with three practicing chaos magicians. We cover all sorts of topics from deep paradigm dives on subjects such as Gnosticism and Southern American conjure to techniques such as divination and meditation and even sex magic (laughs) but don't take my word for it check out this clip from one of our latest episodes but like you mentioned the eighth house being like the house of shame like where i have totally been to the house of shame before where you're yeah waffle house (laughs) 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 the only thing i have in my my eighth house is um my my moon sign so what's, fire. what's yes. interesting about there being kind of shame associated with your moon sign and your emotions is that your moon is in virgo right virgos yes. virgos are the like the sign that are the most critical of themselves like you it's very hard to hurt a virgo's feelings because you will never say something meaner to a virgo than a virgo says to themselves when they're by themselves for this and so much more discussion about magic in general, be sure to check out the Faith Blind Council podcast at faithblindpodcast.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts at. Thank you so much for checking out our show, and we hope to see you soon.